Hi, this is Samantha Tan, driver of the number 38 BMW M4 GT4 for ST Racing in the Pirelli World Challenge, and you're listening to Speedway Sounds on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. The opinions and views expressed on Speedway Sounds are not necessarily those of KUCI, UCI, or the University of California Board of Regents. This show should not be considered an endorsement of any company mentioned. Hello car fanatics in Irvine, Orange County, California, the United States, and around the world. It's time for the most famous words in motorsport. Here to give the command to start today's show is my guest this afternoon, UCI graduate, lifelong motorsport fan, and continent rider for K1 Speed Incorporated, Ryan Jernecka. Ladies and gentlemen, start your engines. This week on Speedway Sounds. Motorsport is a passion shared by millions around the world, but only a small percentage pursue the challenge of making it a career path. My guest today, UC Irvine alumnus and content writer Ryan Jernecka, joins me to discuss his career in and around motorsports since graduating college and what his experiences have taught him about the world of racing. After that, I'll preview this weekend's Formula E Championship finale and the upcoming race for UCI student Samantha Tan. All that and more this week on Speedway Sounds. Hello, good afternoon, and welcome to Series 7, Episode 2 of Speedway Sounds on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Today is Tuesday, July 10th. I'm your host, Noah Stein, and thanks for tuning in. One of my favorite things to discuss on Speedway Sounds is motorsport as a career pathway. I've dedicated several previous interviews to the topic, beginning back in February of last year with car show photographer Dave Lindsay. I added to that with multiple interviews about race car engineering with my fellow students at UCI's Formula SAE competition team Anteater Racing, conversations about race marshalling, race control operations, and motorsports art with Jim Swintall, the race control communicator at IndyCar as well. My guest today will certainly add his perspective as well, this time in the fields of journalism and marketing. He works as the copywriter, content writer for the internationally known indoor go-karting and motorsports franchise K1 Speed Incorporated, where he produces online media blogs, videos, and other relevant marketing materials. Before that, he wrote for European Car Magazine. He also obtained his bachelor's degree in literary journalism here at UC Irvine. Welcome, Ryan Jernecka, to Speedway Sounds. Thank you very much, Noah. It's a pleasure to be here. Glad to have you. So please tell me about yourself, and also, actually, welcome back to the land of the anteaters, first yes, of all. Absolutely. It's not every day that you get invited back to campus. When was your yeah. last trip here? Uh, last trip was a couple of years ago, and that was by invitation as well, actually. Uh, one of my former professors here, uh, Amy DePaul, who teaches literary journalism, had invited me back to kind of uh, give some uh, sort of tips and guidance to uh, her students. Uh, at the time, I was, I was you know, an active journalist, um, so it was, it was pretty appropriate. Excellent. So please tell me about yourself when you started here at UC Irvine. 
You were telling me before we went on air today that you didn't take the usual route towards your degree here. <laughs> no, certainly not. No, I, I, I originally did. I, I went here straight out of uh, high school back in 2003 and was a drama major for three years from 2003 to 2006. The problem was the, the whole rat race of getting into college with all the tests and the extracurriculars and whatnot just kind of uh, burned me out a bit once I got here. Uh, coupled that with me realizing that drama might not be the outlet for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. So as a result, I kind of, uh, school took a backseat to having fun for the most part. So I was able to scrape by, but I was fortunate enough to have my parents kind of fund it. And when they thought they weren't getting their money's worth of education out of my commitments, uh, then they pulled me out with a year left. So I took a brief uh, little hiatus, um, kind of explored some other different paths, worked, you know, kind of no-nonsense jobs. And uh, and realized that I needed to get back soon, and, and it was a thorn in my side, you know, having that one year left to go. So I came back as a literary journalism major in 2013, uh, and graduated in 2015. So you see, if I let you come back in and, and oh, keep. Yeah your record from before? With, yeah, with yeah, I was in good standing and everything. And again, I mean, I wasn't doing bad. I just wasn't up to my parents' snuff as well. So, And I get it, and I'm glad that I took that break. Um, so I got a lot more out of my education experience. My grades were a complete 180. <laughs> um, I, I did quite well, and uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy for it. That's great to hear that students are able to take multiple pathways at UCI. You don't have to do it right in four years right. exactly. if you don't need if if you want to take take a break at some point. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. So, did you consider career in motorsport as a goal during your first your first uh, few years in college at yeah, all? The first few years, I think I was mostly focused on trying to be a film actor, you know, TV mm-hmm. actor kind of thing. Um, I always loved it. I was definitely a motorsport fan back then, um, and would have fun uh, being at Vistol Campo and watching the uh, four o'clock races in the theater that they had there mm-hmm. <laughs> with the surround sound and the old V10 period. That was pretty good. Um, but uh, I didn't really eye a, a career in motorsports. At the time, it wasn't until I, I kind of started writing that I realized that that'd be the best way that I could, uh, you know, merge the the passion of motorsports with with writing. Interesting. So, how did motorsport first enter your conscious? Then, was it from your family, friends, or someone else? Yeah, the family, pretty much. My dad was a big car fanatic growing up, um, and I was born and raised in Santa Cruz, so about forty-five minutes north of Laguna Seca. Oh, nice. uh, so that was kind of where I got my early education in racing. Um, you know, my dad used to take us there to the old IMSA days, uh, you know, the old IndyCar days, and and the Storks, of course, which is now the Motorsport Reunion. Um, so yeah, I, pretty much being exposed to racing cars uh, viscerally like that at a young age and then watching it of course on tv just instilled an obsession in motorsports excellent yeah so laguna seca weather tech raceway laguna yes, seca as yes, it is now known of course. Uh, the track in monterey california mm-hmm. i was able to go last year it was really awesome Very good for the for the imsa races yes going back to your time in college back to your second time with uh, pursuing a literary journalism mm-hmm. degree after two years at uci for me similar to pretty much at every college i've learned very much that time is valuable and can really determine what opportunities are open. During your time, did you make decisions about how to spend your time with motorsport in mind, or was it something you were looking forward to maybe after your degree? Yeah, it was it was something I had in mind. Definitely a lot of my pitches and uh, journalism classes, I, I would tend to take a motorsport approach to it. Um, and a lot of times it got beat up by teachers, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah, I was definitely thinking about it then. And, you know, I, thankfully I had a brother in the business. Uh, he was a writer at Motor Trend for a while, and then he's uh, currently a writer at Automobile. And through him was kind of where I made a connection at European Car. Uh, and the editor-in-chief at the time, Michael Febo, uh, had just become the editor-in-chief. And I'd kind of been buddies uh, with him, you know, 
know, via my brother. And he had kind of given me my first opportunity. Um, so I actually started writing while I was still an undergrad here. Oh, at wow. Yeah. So what were some of the things, continuing on in college, before mm. we jump into European yes, yes. car, what were some of the things in college, or maybe, I think you might have answered this question already, maybe people you met or other professional experiences that you think have made a significant difference in your career so far? You said you started working at European Car yeah, during was, college. Yeah, that was definitely a big part. Um, you know, kind of meeting meeting him, he definitely gave me, you know, my biggest break. After that, it's just kind of a matter of meeting, uh, you know, networking a lot. I can't emphasize that enough, that it's important to try to talk to as many people as you can because you never know when you're going to see them again, and they may help you out. So through him, you know, I was in touch with several PR people. You always want to make buddies with them because they're the ones that will supply you with the cool trips and the good uh, stories ideas and things like that. I met a couple of those that presented some great opportunities for me uh, and ended up even working for one down the line as well. Excellent. Wow. What were some of your favorite topics to write about at your time at European Car Magazine? Yeah, uh, it was. I was mostly covering motorsport. I was like a freelance motorsport editor there. So you know anything that had a European car racing in it, I, it was game. I tended to choose you know races that I could go to uh, and and stuff that interested me. So I went to a lot of IMSA races. I had the fortunate uh, opportunity to go to watch an F1 race. Uh, actually, the first Mexico GP when they came back in 2015. That yeah, was definitely yeah. a highlight. And then I was also able to uh, cover, gosh, uh, Global Rallycross, uh, rest in peace, and. And, uh, oh, yeah, and some I other know. series as well. <laughs> so, yeah, no, a ton of fun. It exposed me to a lot. Yeah, so Global, just a quick aside, Global yeah. Rallycross uh, went out of business this year and became, yeah. uh, started a different series, American, yeah, America's right. Rallycross? Exactly, what? yeah. They're doing kind of a limited schedule, I believe, this year. So I think it's only like a couple races at Coda or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it's kind of a shame. Uh, it was kind of heading in a different direction anyways that, you know, uh, led to Andretti and a lot of the other big names dropping out as is. So I don't know how good it would have been, uh, even if it had continued. But, yeah, I have hope that something similar will come back here. Mm-hmm. So back to European car. Mm-hmm. What were the first things that you were focusing on professionally at European Car. You said motorsport races, mm-hmm. but but talking about writing for yeah. writing content mm-hmm. for the magazine, what mm-hmm. kind of things w- w- were you surrounded by, like editors and oh, okay. uh, your job yeah. requirements, I suppose? Yeah, you know, it, it wasn't the usual kind of journalism gig, I guess, because, you know, I was doing freelancing. And the kind of cool thing is I got to, you know, work from home. So as far as having to go into an office or anything like that, I really didn't have to. I was just kind of in direct email and phone conversation with the editor, um, and he would either assign me a story or I would pitch something to him and he would say, let's go for it. So it sounds like fun working from home, but I'll tell you, it's, it's hard because there's distractions at home. Um, mm-hmm. And also, uh, you know, it's just, it, it's difficult to separate work from pleasure than when you're working from home too, especially when you're living in a studio apartment because yeah. you're going to sleep in your office, you know, and so your mind keeps thinking about work. But, you know, it was pretty straightforward. I definitely took a literary journalism approach to my stories, which I think was radically different from a lot of motorsport journalism at the time. You know, I really tried to kind of set the scene and, and tell a story story as if it was like a movie. Uh, my oh, very first okay. piece that I did actually on location was profiling K-Packs and Pirelli World Challenge. Mm-hmm. They had just switched from Volvo to McLaren at the time. Now they're with Bentley. Um, and it was great. I, I did a profile on the team and, and did it in the style like I, I was approaching my assignments here at UCI. Yeah, so literary journalism, it's more of an approach on descriptive writing? Though? Yeah, definitely. It's longer form. You know, it's it, 
a lot of newspaper writing, it's direct to the point, the, the who, what, when, where, why, you know. With literary journalism, you can kind of take your time to set a scene, describe things, describe people, you know, and it may be a little abstract sometimes as well, you know, where you kind of have to read into it a little bit more to kind of find the real message behind it. But it's fun. I mean, if you've ever written anything by like Hunter S. Thompson, like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, even though that's mostly fictional, um, but Hell's Angels would be a good example, the book that he wrote uh, when he was embedded with them. Um, you know, it's really like a, a full-on story that you're reading rather than, you know, straight facts. Interesting, interesting. So as you're working for European Car, you attended races that you were describing all across the country. Mm -hmm. I saw on your Instagram you had photos from Long Beach, where you're <laughs> yes. from, right? Right. Well, I lived there for nine years. I'm now in Huntington oh, okay. Beach. But yeah, I actually lived just a five-minute walking distance from the track. I was right there on Ocean downtown. Oh, so wow. I loved it. I, I woke up to the sound of race mm -hmm. cars and just would walk down there. If there was a two-hour gap in between races, I could just come back home and refresh, rehydrate, and, and get back to the action. But uh, yeah, I, I been fortunate enough to go to uh, a lot of different racetracks yeah so finishing my question actually mm -hmm. you went to road, road atlanta the rolex 24 yes how did you approach those weekends knowing that you were trying to create a story for your magazine it's tricky because you know with races you don't know how they're going to turn out uh so you know of course you're hoping that it's going to be a success story but sometimes it isn't actually petit lamas is a perfect example of that it was a ferrari team that had done pretty well but we're kind of struggling with the recent balance of performance uh, implementations mm -hmm. for that weekend and it was kind of costing them a lot too so instead of doing it as a typical profile on just the team or, or doing it on you know the weekend for them i end up focusing more on balance of performance and the potential disadvantages of it and and kind of the work that needed to be done especially at that time this was the first year it was when it was the tutor sports car championship uh and uh you know they were they were still working out some things that they've done a lot better at uh these days um so yeah you know that was kind of an approach that i took but you kind of have to play it on the fly when you're out there you know again you don't know how it's going to turn out so you got to choose an angle that you think will suit the narrative that was given to you interesting yeah so uh, more more of a fun question real quick before we go on to K1 Speed and your job there. You've done some track day driving I've seen. What cars have you driven? I saw <laughs> and actually crazy story from a little bit earlier sure. i was riding my bicycle and happened to be right behind yeah, you in your right. fiat Arbar. yeah right? oh, actually no it sounds like or one a little bit um no it's a regular fiat 500 okay. actually i bought it uh, like a month or two after they first came out here i'm a third generation fiat owner so i've kind of oh. got a family connection to to owning a fiat it, it, was, it was kind of an emotional purchase i also just like italian cars as well uh, i'm a fan of ferrari so you know it's part of the family so yeah it's just a regular 500 sport i've made a little bit of modifications to it nothing power wise i love that it only has 100 horsepower actually it just it feels vintage it's like new vintage uh yeah. you know you can actually go through all the gears and, and push it 10 tenths and still only go like 70 miles per hour <laughs> and on the back roads it's phenomenal it just it's it's a big go-kart is really what it oh, is oh wow yeah. beautiful yeah, yeah. I've, I've liked the look of the fiat 500 yeah, for a while yeah, yeah. Look nice yeah it's it's traditional so you started working for K1 Speed. You left European Car Magazine, went to K1 mm -hmm. Speed last year. Yeah. What were some of the things that you were looking for in the new job? Yeah, gotcha. Applying? So actually, there was even a year gap in between European Car and uh, and K1 Speed. In which case, I did start working uh, doing PR and marketing for an uh, marketing agency. Mm -hmm. And that's going back to what I was saying before. You know, I ended up working for someone that was a connection that I had made while being a journalist. Um, and I just kind of, you know, the freelancing thing was great. I would have loved continuing to do it. Uh, however, you know, it's it was difficult kind of finding a full time staff writing job somewhere. Uh, there's only just so so many spots. 
laws, especially in, in our industry, unfortunately, with cars and, and racing. So, you know, going into that provided me with a full-time job. Uh, I was still working in the industry with great brands like Momo, Pirelli, uh, uh, you know, Roush. Uh, it was towards the end and Borla and other things. So, you know, I got to kind of dip my hands in a lot of that thing. And that's really what taught me, you know, the, the marketing 101, you know, of what I'm applying today at K1 Speed. So I, I left there to K1 Speed provide a little more benefits for me. It ended up being uh, a little bit closer to where I wanted to live. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a product that I was really passionate about. Working at an agency, you don't know what you're going to get handed sometimes. Sometimes it might be something you really don't care too much about. So by working at K1 Speed, you know, I, I was a customer before, you know, even working there. So I was already in love with the product. Mm -hmm. So it, it's become very easy for me to, to try to sell it. So from a business management perspective and, and your job, what does your job involve? Yeah, so gosh, you know, it changes day to day, um, you know, depending on what we have on our plate. But, you know, typically there's at least a blog post or two I got to write. You know, I help out a lot with social media, with writing their captions, uh, sometimes sourcing the, the images for that. Also, uh, the radio ads that play overhead uh, in, inside our centers. Uh, I write the scripts for that. I'll write the scripts for any videos that we do. I write the email blasts that go out to the millions of people that we have. So, you know, you know you name it. If, if you've read it, if you've heard it, if you've seen it, I've probably written it. I'd say I've written about 85% of that, uh, even the website stuff. So it's, it's a wide range, and it, my responsibilities keep getting added. Uh, mm. It's fun. I'm taking on a little more of a PR approach these days as well. So, yeah, it's it's ever-changing, but it's always uh, always fascinating. That's excellent. What's it like getting a, such a huge... Mm role in in the company it's it's really great i actually <laughs> when i first went there, i started in sales but you know started talking to the marketing department and told them about my writing experience and they brought me in rather quickly <laughs> mm -hmm. um so it's it's a lot of fun you know it's fun to know that what you're writing is being seen by a large group of people you know there's a little bit of pressure that comes with that as well you know, they can call you out on things if you misspell or something. So I'm very careful about that. And that was something I learned way back in the day. But, uh, you know, it's it's fascinating to try to share my passion for motor racing and also for karting, indoor karting, especially at K1 Speed, with, with everybody. Because, again, it is something I'm, I'm naturally passionate about. So it's not like I'm, I'm putting on airs when I'm out there riding and talking about how awesome things are. It's, it's the way it really is. So it's, it's fun connecting with those fans. When they leave comments and things like that, it, it's even more fun. Nice, nice. How many people are you working with on a daily basis? Only really a handful of us in marketing. So if you think about it, really, it's, it's phenomenal. We have over 40 centers across the world, and it's just the handful of us that are doing all the marketing for it. So we're very close, especially with my role there doing the writing. You know, I work with every every person there, uh, you know, whether it's one person for the emails and another person doing the blogs and press releases, et cetera. So it's, it's a tight group of guys, really good guys, guys that know their stuff, a lot of motorsport fans as well. So it's fun to talk races after a weekend. And it's just, yeah, it's a joy. We'll, we'll put on practices and qualifying and stuff in our office while we're working for a little <laughs> extra incentive nice. in the background. And yeah, no, it's, it's a delight for sure. That sounds amazing. So speaking of, you were saying 40 locations. K1 yeah. Speed has been rapidly growing in they the last have, few yeah. years. What what maybe, um, it's hard to, hard to say, if, maybe from your position, uh -huh. but where do you see the company going forward? Oh, well, it's going and going. Um, you know, definitely our international franchise is taking off like crazy. Um, so we've got something in, you know, a place in China, Mexico has a handful of centers, Canada. We're going to be opening later this year a place in Puerto Rico. Um, you know, just all over the place. That's a big thing. We just announced the U.S. franchise not too long ago, too. So it'll be interesting to see where that takes off. And then we also announced earlier this year of our first outdoor circuit. Um, oh, wow. 
So yeah. what you know, the goal behind that, of course, is you know already we have the junior carts for kids, we have the adult carts for teens and adults, and then with the outdoor course, we can kind of hold their hand through the racing performance, like um, almost like a little mini career for them, you know, as they progress. So once they get past the kiddie carts, they can move into the adult carts, and once they feel like they want an even bigger challenge, then they'd be able to go outdoors and go in the pro carts that we'll have, and those will go around 75 miles per hour. So you know, it'll be nice to kind of follow that growth, and it'll be interesting to see how many kids just come out of K-1 speed as, as champions in the future. Interesting, yeah. I have one more question for you. Mm-hmm. Where do you see yourself in the future? In the future, uh, well, hopefully still at K-1 speed. Uh, definitely with my hand deep in motorsport. Uh, that's where I always want to stay in some capacity. So, yeah, I, I see myself doing more for them. I think there's a lot more we can do. I mean, you know, we, thankfully our headquarters are actually at our Irvine facility. So we have mm-hmm. a track right in our backyard. So there's just so much we can do. Actually, right now, I'm doing this K1 Speed diet thing where I'm trying to lose weight by go-karting. I'm doing 30-minute oh, wow. sessions four times a week. I'm going to try it for a month. Uh, I'm in my second week now, and it's been interesting. Uh, but <laughs> you burn like 358 calories per half hour. That's like 40% more than really? jogging. Yeah, so yeah. it'll be interesting to see the results. I need to lose weight anyway, so <laughs> it's, it's provided the uh, motivation. But you know, I, I would love to continue doing that kind of stuff with this company. That's excellent. Ryan Janeka, thank you so much for coming on Speedway Sounds today to talk about your career. It's been an honor. Thank you so much, Noah, and and great work with what you're doing here. Uh, If I were smart enough, I would have tried this back in the day. (laughs) Thanks. All right. Thanks so much, Ryan. Coming up next is my preview of the FIA Formula E Championship finale this weekend in New York City. So after 10 races and seven months of international electric car racing, the ABB Formula E Championship is set to be awarded this weekend in New York City to either Frenchman Jean-Éric Verne or Britain Sam Bird. The second annual New York City E-Prix will award 58 points across two days of racing, each with qualifying. Jean-Eric Verne has a modest 23-point lead over Sam Bird, but if the last round was any indication, that may not be enough. In Zurich, Verne was ahead of Bird when he received a penalty for exceeding the full-course yellow speed limit. Verne ended the day with 10th and only one point, while Bird finished second and added 18 to his total. Any penalty drama could flip the order once again this weekend. Also on Bird's side is the fact that he won both races in New York last year. Looking at the two drivers side-by-side this season, Verne scored three wins at Santiago, Punta del Este, and Paris, while Bird won twice at Hong Kong and Rome. Verne has a total of five podium finishes compared to Bird's six, and Bird only has one finish outside of the points. These are two very worthy champions. We'll see who wins on Saturday and Sunday. Verne's team, Tachita has a great opportunity to clinch the, t- the first team's championship not awarded to Renault Edams. The Chinese team leads by 33 points over Audi Sport app Schaeffler. It will require good races from Verne's teammate Andre Lauderer, who has been consistently earning good points after struggling in the first half of the season. But for Audi, their drivers are on a hot streak. The season started terrible for defending drivers champion Lucas Degrassi, earning only two points in the first five races. But since then, he's been outstanding finishing second in four straight races and winning the Zurich E-Prix to add 99 points to the team's tally. Teammate Daniel Apt has had his career best season with two wins and 85 points. Tachita can't afford to give an inch to Audi Sport in New York this weekend. Degrassi and Apt sit third and sixth respectively in the driver's standings as well. They are both battling for that third spot with Sebastian Buemi and Felix Rosenquist. This weekend's race course is slightly different than the one used in the inaugural, with four additional slow-speed corners designed to improve overtaking opportunities. Also, this is the very last weekend for the Generation 1 cars, the Spark O1E, and with it, the unique car changes that saw drivers jumping out of one 
out-of-battery car into the next will likely disappear into racing history, never to be seen in any form of pro racing again. This is because the Gen 2 cars will be able to go an entire race distance on a single charge, just showing how fast electric racing technology is progressing. This is also the final round of Speedway Picks here on Speedway Sounds, the game where listeners can pick two drivers each week to see if they can pick better than me. So far, one person is, and his name is Tristan Cortez, the Speedway Sounds F1 analyst. He currently sits at 300 points, while I am at 243. He can lock up the Speedway Picks title with a lead of 44 points over me after Saturday's race. You can still play as well, just look out for the tweet with all the info later today on Twitter, at Speedway Sounds. Round 11 will air on Saturday on the Fox Broadcast Network, Channel 11 here in Los Angeles, at noon Pacific. And the final round will air Sunday on FS1 at 11.30 a.m. Again, Channel 11 for Saturday race in the Los Angeles region, FS1 on Sunday. Also this weekend is the next round of the Pirelli World Challenge for UC Irvine hashtag Anteaters in Racing, driver Samantha Tan and her team ST Racing. Here's this week's Anteaters in Racing update covering UC Irvine students who drive race cars. This weekend, Portland International Raceway returns to the Pirelli World Challenge for the two Sprint X categories, GT and GTS, as well as the touring car classes, TCR, TC, and TCA. Saturday afternoon, we'll see ST Racing in race number 7 of 2018 in their first season of GTS Sprint X competition. Samantha and her teammate in the number 38 BMW M4 GT4, Nick Whitmer, currently sits 12th in the driver's standings. They've had very strong runs, but have been struggling to put the finishes together since their podium finish at Circuit of the Americas back in March, with only four points scored at Lime Rock Park from two 19th place finishes back in May. The causes are not a lack of speed, but rather other issues such as drive-through penalties incurred during driver swaps. Hopefully, the experience gained will help them minimize mistakes this weekend in Portland. The team... The second team car, the number 36 with Aurora Strauss and John Miller competing in the AM class, is having an awesome, an awesome rookie season. Aurora, who has competed in all of the races, is tied for first in the AM standings and is 10th overall. John Miller, who took over starting in round 3, is 7th place in AM after the pairing finished uh, I think it was 19th and 4th at Lime Rock race 2. The only thing that held them back was an 11th in the first race. So 11th in the first race, 4th in the second at Lime Rock Park. This weekend's races are being run under the title of the 58th Rose Cup Races, a Portland International Raceway tradition. This is the first PWC event at the facility since 2005, and it signals the start of a rebound year for not only the track, but also professional racing in the Pacific Northwest, which will be hosting IndyCar later this year. You can follow the races on live stream at world-challenge.com. Round 7 will take place Saturday, July 14th at 4.40 p.m. Pacific, and Round 8 will be on Sunday, July 15th at 11.55 a.m. Pacific. That's it for the Anteaters and Racing Update. Oh, one more thing, actually. Quick mention before I go off air today. Mark your calendars for a free event with Samantha and her number 38 BMW M4 GT4 in nearby Orange, California. The auto repair shop Zane, which, by the way, means the number 15 in German, is hosting the BMW Car Club of America meet on Sunday, July 22nd. The event is free to attend, and for more information, search at Fumfsane Auto on Instagram to find the link in the bio, or you can go to the shop's website at fumfsaneauto.com. Look for the calendar on the homepage. I'm super excited to see Samantha's car, since Pirelli World Challenge doesn't have a GTS Sprint X race in Southern California, and you'll very likely be able to meet me there as well. That's it for this week on Speedway Sounds. Follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Speedway Sounds, all one word. 
Thanks again to Ryan Jerneka for appearing on today's show. Always wear a helmet and never ever drive distracted or under the influence, and please always wear your seatbelt. I'm your host, Noah Stein, and you're listening to Speedway Sounds on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine.